On today's show, Jabari Smith Jr. continues his strong play for the Houston Rockets in their win against the Boston Celtics. What does Jabari's success at the five spot on the floor mean for the future of Alperin Shingun? Jalen Green's hot start and then his struggles over the course of the game. Kevin Porter Jr.'s playmaking, all that and more. Coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Give me your thoughts on Jabari Smith Jr. and his trending upwards play as of late, because he's been, Jabari has been fantastic as of late. First player ever, youngest player ever, I can't say first player ever, youngest player ever, to record three straight games, three straight games of 20 plus points and 10 plus rebounds. And it's no coincidence that the Rockets have been incredibly competitive in these last three games, right? The Pacers overtime game, the Bulls game, and now the Celtics game. And it's, a lot of it, it rests on the very broad shoulders of Jabari Smith Jr. and the fact that he has, he's starting to figure it out, man. Like, this is just, it's so its so great to see him turn this corner because he really did kind of struggle for much of the season, right? And it, his season kind of came in waves where he was struggling to, to start. Then he had that one stretch where for, you know, 10, 12 games where he looked incredible. He was shooting the lights out of the ball. And then the confidence started to dip again, and he's just been in that rut for such a long time. And now we're starting to see the glimpse of, okay, he's got the confidence back. He's got a bit of the swagger back, right? He looks so sure of himself in everything that he's doing on the court now. In this game against the Celtics, 24 points on 9 of 11 shooting, was 5 of 6 from deep. He had 5 triples in the first half. 17 first half points for Jabari. He had 11 rebounds, three of them on the offensive glass, three dimes, a steal, and a block. He had the game-saving, game-winning defensive play, if you will, against Jason Tatum. He and Tari Eason shutting down Jason Tatum on the final drive of the game to prevent Tatum from getting from tying things up and, and forcing overtime. And when I asked Jabari about what was going through his mind on that final defensive play of the game, he told me, he was like, no threes. He said, no threes. He was like, I wasn't going to let... Jason Tatum splash a game-winning three over me. So my my whole thing was just get him off the three-point line and make him tie it up or make you know force force a tough shot and, and that's what we did. And that's exactly what they accomplished, right? They 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 accomplished their defensive goal. Credit to Jabari for forcing Tatum off the three-point line. Credit to Tari Eason for coming over from the the corner and making the shot extra difficult with the the help defense rotation. All of it. It was just it was a fantastic game. Across the board, and it was a, it was a really good, strong win. And speaking of strong wins, I mean, this is now the Rockets have now beaten the three top teams of the Eastern Conference: the Bucks, 
the Celtics and the Sixers. They've beaten all three of those teams at home in Toyota Center this season. If the Rockets were like a seventh or an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, those teams would be shaking in their boots knowing that they'd have to play three games on the road against the Toyota Center in the first round. No, I, I kid, I'm kidding. But legitimately, it's nice that a hand, some of the Rockets' wins have been against good opponents, right? And it's not like it's not like the Rockets tripped into this win, and it's not like the Celtics were not trying in this win. Like, good friend of the program, Bill Simmons, would have you believe, oh, the Celtics aren't trying, and that's why they're losing. No, Bill, the Rockets just actually played a good game against the Celtics. Jason Tatum shot 8 of 22. J- they had zero answer for Jalen Brown. We're going to get into that a little bit later on, some of the defensive issues from this game for the Rockets. Jalen Brown had 43 points on 25 shots, 43 on 16 of 25 shooting. But they did a good job on Jason Tatum. They did a pretty solid job on Jason Tatum, all things considered, held him to 8 of 22 shooting, only 22 points on the evening. He missed the game-tying shot at the end of regulation, credit to Jabari and Tari on defense. So overall, a really encouraging performance by the Houston Rockets, and they did it without Alperin Shingun in the lineup. And there are some narratives that are kind of starting to form because of that, and I want to revisit that discussion in segment three about what Jabari's success at the five spot means for Alperin Shingun moving forward. Can those two guys still coexist? Uh, or is it is it one versus the other, or one or the other at this point? I want to share shed some light on that later on, but Back to Jabari here for just a moment. Again, he's you're seeing you're seeing this level of confidence that he's got now, right? That just wasn't there earlier this season. He's so sure of himself and what he's doing on the floor. He is making his moves, understanding, knowing exactly what he's trying to do when he makes these moves. Uh, he's more sure of himself in his shot. There was there was a shot that he had. It was his fifth three, I believe, at the end of the first half. Kevin Porter Jr. hit him in the corner. Beautiful pass, hit him in the corner, and Jabari, like, I'm pretty sure Jabari caught the ball, like, right in front of his face, like, right at his shoulder level. The ball didn't dip, like, he just grabbed it, caught it, and then went straight up into his shot. Like, how do you stop that if a 6'11 dude, 7-footer, is just gonna grab the ball and immediately go up into his shooting motion? It was such a clean-looking shot, catch, release, shot, all-in-one fluid motion from the corner, and... There was zero doubt in my mind the moment Jabari pulled it. I was like, oh, that's going in, like, immediately. He shot it from right in front of me, my section at Toyota Center. He was right there. I was like, that's 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 clean. That's going straight in. So, and not only was Jabari confidently shooting the ball, obviously 5 of 5 from deep in the first half, he, he, has the, he had this knack earlier this season, this tendency, unfortunately, to kind of force the issue at times, right? He was, he was kind of pressing at times, and he would have the ball and then try to make a move and force up a tough shot or an ill-advised shot because maybe it felt like he didn't know when his next shot was going to come within the system or he wasn't quite sure like when he was going to get his. In this game, repeatedly, multiple times throughout the game, Jabari would start to make a move and then think better of it and then pitch the ball back or start to make a move and realize there's nothing there and then reset the play. And that's growth. That's maturity, right? Understanding, hey, like I might be able to do something here but I'm going to reset it so that we can get a better shot, right? Like I might get an okay shot if I do this move and and pull up from mid range, but if I reset it or if I pitch it to this teammate here and then he drives and kicks, then we're going to get something better going. So he did that a lot in this game. He had three assists in this game and I feel like he had a couple hockey assists too, just some really unselfish play from him in this one, finding the next right man, understanding, Hey, I'm going to pass the ball and it's going to find its way back to me at some point. And and when it does, I'm going to drill a three pointer. 
I would have still liked to see him be a bit more involved offensively in the second half, given how lethal he was from three in the first half. Uh, again, five of five, three-point shooting in the first half. He only got one three-point attempt in the second half. He had 17 first-half points. He finished the game with 24 points on the evening, so only seven points in the second half. So not a ton of offensive involvement, and that's, that's where... Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green also need to grow and the rest of the team needs to grow and realize, hey, like Jabari is cooking. We need to affect, we need to work on getting him the ball more in the second half. So that, that's just, you know, an area to identify for this group of young guys moving forward. But I do want to talk about, and so Jabari, Jabari, you're locked in a Rockets player of the game easily, right? This is a fantastic performance from him. He was the best player on the court in this game for the Houston Rockets. I do want to talk about Jalen Green, his hot start, and then his struggles over the course of the game. Kevin Porter Jr.'s playmaking, as well as we'll get to the whole future of the five spot for the Rockets a little bit further down the line. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. I'm really excited by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Because look, if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise, well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You are responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of an NBA season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Now, look, yeah, I mean, first off, we already made a little, like, locked-on league amongst all the locked-on, uh, you know, NBA hosts. And, oh, my God, it's, it's already so competitive. We are talking smack to each other every single day. Uh, you know, we've gone through multiple seasons already. It's a ton of fun. You're going to sink a lot of time into this game. Locked on Rockets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate pro basketball GM start your dynasty today. And continuing on here at locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball now we're going to get into a little bit of the Rockets defensive scheme here against the Boston Celtics as well as Jalen Green's hot start in this game uh Kevin Porter Jr's facilitating there's a lot of different things to unpack from this one and and I I'm a day late day and a half late on this I got home from the Celtics game and I immediately like I was done for y'all ever get like y'all ever get like a 24 hour 48 hour bug and you are just out of it for like the next day like I was not online yeah I basically I like died on Tuesday Tuesday morning and I'm I'm back now back from the dead um let's focus so first I want to start with the defensive component from this game because one of the things that the Rockets are able to do with Jabari at the five is they're able to switch everything right and actually you know what I want to save the defensive component I want to talk about that in segment three because it kind of that kind of segues into the whole argument about Jabari versus Shingu. So that actually makes more sense. Better show structure. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it live. We're doing it on the fly. All right. Let's actually start then with Jalen Green. Because for Jalen in this game, he got off to a fantastic start. Like, I thought Jalen was about to drop a 50 bomb. And I thought, right, he was going to co-sign this little 50 bomb and be like, here you go, my good friend Bill Simmons. Enjoy that 50 burger. Uh, he had 16 points. 
at the end of the first quarter. He had 17 points in between the first and second quarters because there was a technical foul on the Celtics. And so Jalen Green went and swished the technical free throw. And it really looked like Jalen was headed for a very, very special night. And then he just kind of bottomed out and really struggled the rest of the game. Um, After that phenomenal first quarter, he wound up only scoring 11 points the rest of the way. He finished with 28 points on 29 shots. That's not great efficiency, unfortunately. So 8 of 29 shooting overall was 2 of 8 from 3-point land. What was encouraging was his ability to get to the free throw line, and we're starting to see, and this is a positive, encouraging trend with Jalen, we're starting to see when he realizes that he is struggling. When Jalen realizes he's not hitting the, you know, the usual shot when he when he's not hitting, you know, his threes, when he can't get going downhill, all that, we're starting to see Jalen get to the free throw line, right, and convert at the charity stripe. And those conversions help this team out a ton to where, yeah, he might be struggling. Yeah, he might be, you know, you know, just can't 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 find anything, can't get into rhythm, whatever. But as long as he's getting to the free throw line, he's finding a way to be productive and to get points on the board. And he also had one of the like bigger shots in this game, which was less than two minutes to go. Rockets are leading by one. They're leading by a sliver. And Jalen Green had the the pull up. Uh, mid-range two to give the Rockets a three-point lead, right? And then it was free throws the rest, the rest of the way from that point. So the, the last bucket of the game was by Jalen Green. And Silas talked about, like, the composure in that moment, right, for the Rockets to be able to recover the basketball and for Jalen to get the shot off and to make that shot. Perfect execution, all of that in that moment. So... Yeah, Jalen's overall efficiency, you know, he started really hot and then he struggled over the rest of the game, but he hit the bucket to give the Rockets a three-point cushion. And then not only that, he came down a few possessions later and he drilled back-to-back free throws to separate the Rockets even further because it was 108-107. Jalen hit the two free throws to give them another, a three-point cushion. So back-to-back three-point cushions generated by Jalen Green in this game. So despite the fact that the efficiency wasn't quite where you needed it, Jalen Green showed up when he needed to in the closing moments of this game, hit a big shot, hit some big free throws, and helped secure this win for the Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr., 14 points, 5 of 13 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3-point land, 3 of 3 at the free throw line, 13 dimes, one shy of his career-high 14, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, 1 turnover. Really strong game facilitating the ball for Kevin Porter Jr. And and look, there were a lot of moments in this game. I'm actually curious what KPJ's potential assists were in this game. I feel like it was probably, I feel like his potential assists were probably north of 10. So he could have had 20 plus assists this game if everybody was hitting their shots. But there are a lot of times when he, you know, dishes the ball to a teammate and they miss a, miss a wide open shot. So Kevin did a phenomenal job facilitating the ball in this game. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He did a great job finding teammates. He did a great job, especially in the first half of finding Jabari. Uh, really, really great job of setting guys up. I already mentioned earlier, you know, I would have liked to see Jabari be a bit more involved there in the second half, and some of that does fall on uh, Kevin and Jalen's shoulders as far as just recognizing and finding him out on the perimeter. I did think that it was, you know, it was a bit of a mixed bag for me at times, uh, even to a lesser degree, Jalen as well, because... Jalen, the Rockets had no answer for Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown's first like nine points of the game came 
as a direct result of bad defense or blown defensive coverages from Kevin Porter Jr. And I'm not, look, I'm not picking on KPJ. Just everybody in the YouTube comments, oh, you hate KPJ. Oh, you hate Alperin Shigut. No, this is just what I see on a, like in a game-to-game basis. Go back and watch it. It's there. It's facts. Like, go back and watch the first, like, three, four, five buckets from Jalen Brown. Like, the first nine points he scored, they're all because of Kevin, right? Either, like, not rotating out to him quick enough on the three-point line, or he got the very first play of the game. Kevin's checking Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown wins the tip, and he just bullies Kevin and goes straight in for two at the rim, right? Like, zero resistance. So, I was incredible and like I can be impressed and and happy with and proud of whatever and 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 like all of that with Kevin's facilitating and his overall offensive game and frustrated with the defense right this this happens a lot right you can there's two sides of the basketball so I thought Kevin did a great job facilitating I really did I thought he was he was incredible at getting his teammates involved he had a lot of great driving kick opportunities he had the moment at the end of the game where it looked like he kind of bumped knees with somebody and he like limped off the court and then was able to just kind of stretch it out a little bit and then came back in for the closing moments uh so I like I respect it Kevin's a fighter right he wants to be out there on the court whether he's playing through injuries or playing through some pain like you you got to have a lot of respect for a guy that just wants to be out there on the court. Now, whether it's the right thing for him to be out there on the court or not, when he's playing through pain, injuries, whatever, that's a completely different discussion. But you have to admire the heart for him to want to be out there with his guys and try to help put this game away. So the Rockets did struggle guarding Jalen Brown. And it wasn't just Kevin Porter Jr. It was a, it was a collective group effort because, again, they were switching everything defensively, right? So there were moments where Kevin was guarding him. There was moments where Jalen Green was guarding him. There were moments where it was Tari or KJ or Jabari. Like, everybody had their share of trying to guard Jalen Brown. It just so happens that he got off to a strong start because Kevin was checking him on a majority of those early possessions. And I believe Jalen was Kevin's primary defensive target um although there were moments where Tari was switched on to him too as well like I don't know kind of it kind of varied over the entire course of the game but with Kevin seeing him facilitate at this level it, it's these glimpses where you're just like okay cool like if you could do this consistently then I'm maybe maybe we shouldn't be off the whole Kevin Porter Jr. as the point guard conversation but it only it, like these types of games only happen every so often for him, right? It, it, it's not, and even even in the context of this game, there were plenty of moments where offensively, I felt like he got a little bit too got into the head honcho ball a little bit, where he was driving. He had two different moments where he like drove all the way into the lane, drew the second defender, and rather than kicking it out to the wide open corner three point shooter, he forced up a tough shot in the paint. He missed the first one when he had Tari wide open in the corner. The next time he drove into the paint and did it, he made the shot. He had KJ Martin wide open in the corner. Maybe it seems like I'm nitpicking, but again, the point guard position is such a crucial position on the floor. The same frustrations that we have with the offensive production of the point guard position are similar to the same frustrations that we have with the defensive production of the center position when it comes to Alper and Shingun, right? And, and how he is you know, limited defensively, right? So if you have a limited point guard, you're going to be limited offensively. If you have a limited center, you're going to be limited defensively. So that's that's where some of the the added scrutiny comes from, right? That's why Alper and Shingun gets a lot of scrutiny as the Rockets five defensively because that's the, that's the position you expect to kind of anchor things and hold down the fort. Whereas on offense, you expect the point guard to be the guy to get everybody involved and to be unselfish and do this and the other thing. So I don't want to diminish 
the strong game that Kevin had, but it's possible to still praise the good things that he did and also highlight, hey, these areas need to improve. Just like Jalen's game, you know, across, across the board, he really struggled offensively, but he found ways to make things happen. He found ways to get to the free throw line and be be productive. So with that, do you want to talk about this this big narrative that is starting to take hold, take you know, take some shape amongst Rockets fans. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. versus Alper and Shingun, or can those two guys coexist moving forward? Going to talk about that in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We're in the final stretch of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-pointers drained, dunks, NBA season awards like six man of the year, MVP. You can even take a look at the finals odds right now. The odds on favorites to make it to the NBA finals and win the championship. Milwaukee Bucks at plus 290. Boston Celtics at plus 310. Denver Nuggets at plus 650. Now in third place, the Denver Nuggets. Phoenix Suns still at 650 as well. And then the Golden State Warriors rounding out the top, top five at plus 1100. So for all those odds, be sure to go check out FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Let's talk a little bit about the Rockets' defense against the Celtics. Why did the Rockets look like a good defensive team against the Celtics? Or a better, I won't say good, I'll say better defensive team. Um, It's because they were running a switching scheme. What does a switching scheme do? So first off, why were they able to run a switching scheme? Because they played Jabari at the five. And they had five switchable players on the court. Now, what does a switching scheme do? A switching scheme, by design flattens out an opposing offense. What does flattening out mean? Well, it takes you out of a lot of the actions that you would normally want to run. So when you run a pick and roll, you're just going to switch those two guys. When you're running off ball actions, you just switch. It basically tries to decrease and limit and remove all these little advantages and wrinkles that you would normally get when you're playing in a traditional man-to-man coverage scheme. So uh, the Rockets did that, and they found a lot of success doing that because a lot of the Celtics' offense in this game boiled down to... uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Malcolm Brogdon having to break down guys one-on-one individually. That's what a lot of the offense boiled down to. And because they have three talented guys who can do that, uh, it tends to, it still looked pretty decent at times because what happens is right. That guy gets, you know, breaks down the defender and then collapses the defense and then swings the ball out. And then guys are in rotation and guys are scrambling all around. So that's still, you're still going to have moments like that where guys have to rotate and move around and you're still going to give up points, but it gets rid of the points of pressure in a drop coverage scheme like the Rockets normally run with Shingun because in a drop coverage scheme, right? So you've got Shingun and let's say Kevin and they're guarding the pick and roll. Kevin has to fight over the screen to follow the ball handler. Alpi has to decide if he's going to drop all the way back or play more at the level of the screen, if he's going to stunt at the ball handler, but then he has to also get back in time to tag the roll man as Kevin is fighting over the screen. There has to be the... Low man there who rotates over and who cuts off the 
big man, the roll man, from having an easy path straight to the basket. Then on the wing, there's another Rockets defender who is guarding kind of two guys at that point, who is checking both the corner and the wing and figure and anticipating where the pass is going to go. And it's there's a lot of different points where if if even one guy falters, then it's like a stack of cards. The whole defense comes comes crumbling down. You're going to give up a wide open a wide open dunk at the rim or a three pointer or a drive and kick opportunity. Like it's messy and it's a lot more complicated than. Okay, switching. Okay, we're switch. Okay, we switch, 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 switch. Like, that's that's all there is in a switching defensive scheme. And even then, the Rockets don't switch at times well. They don't switch with purpose sometimes. Sometimes it's as simple as just, okay, your guy's coming. Okay, you take him, right? It's not, they're not switching and, like, getting into their defender and making guys uncomfortable and pressing the basket. Like, sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just switch because they're like, okay, it's my turn to take this guy. Like, he's coming over here. All right, let's switch. And there's not like any sense of urgency behind it. So I wouldn't even say that they switch well. It's just that they switch and their switching looks better than their drop coverage scheme because it eliminates a lot of the room for error, right? It's as simple as just we're switching. That is the one thing we're doing. And then I get to guard the guy who's in front of me. That's it. That's why the Rockets look better against the Celtics. Is that Shingun's fault? I mean, a little bit. It's like. But also, we, we we don't really ever get the luxury of seeing Shingun in a system where, like, they're going to blitz or they're going to do some other stuff defensively. Like, it's always just, just drop coverage, right? And so here's the problem that I have is people are using this, Rockets fans are using this one-game sample size to try and construct a whole argument as to why Alper and Shingun shouldn't play and, and why he's not it and why he struggles defensively, all this. Um, I can construct any argument against any one of these players on this Rockets team, both for or against. Like, this is the problem with, like, NBA discourse and advanced stats and all this. I could go cherry-pick any number of stats to prop up or tear down a player for any given argument that I want to make. And to illustrate that, uh, I will give you the on-off numbers for the Rockets and their defensive rating and everything this season. So, and this is, so I, I ran the numbers with, uh, Alperin Shingun, Jalen Green, and Kevin Porter Jr., just as a fun thought experiment. So Alperin Shingun on the floor without Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Uh, the Rockets have a defensive rating of 115.06 and an offensive rating of 112.24 for a net rating of minus 281. I'll give you a spoiler alert here. That's the best net rating of any of these three-man lineups that I'm about to check or permutations of these lineups. Now, let's do Kevin on the floor. <clears throat> Kevin on the floor, without Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green, has a 125.87 defensive rating and a 116.51 offensive rating for a net rating of minus 9.36. Dang, that looks bad, right? Looks worse than LP's numbers. Let's do Jalen next. Jalen on the court by himself with no Kevin Porter Jr., no Alper and Shingun, so some other com combination of four guys. Um, the defense is 120.4, so slightly better than Kevin's defensive rating, but the offense plummets to 103.27. That is a minus 17.12 net rating in lineups that feature Jalen on the court without Shingun, without Kevin. So see how easy it is for me to construct like an argument to say, oh, Kevin's a bad defender. Oh, Jalen's, I mean, they are bad defenders. They're all three bad defenders is the problem. Like that's the argument here. But similar to what I said earlier, right? Kevin gets added scrutiny as the point guard on offense because the point guard is the role that's expected to bring everything together. 
Alperin Shingun gets more scrutiny on defense because the five man is traditionally the guy that you look at to kind of hold things together defensively. So with that, what does Jabari's success at the five spot mean for the future of Alperin Shingun? It doesn't look great, right? Because if Jabari can consistently play the five, if he if he starts if he bulks up a little bit more, adds a little bit more size this offseason. Jabari could be a full-time five at the NBA level. I've explored this possibility here, right? We saw him play the five in summer league and he looked really comfortable. One, we know he's vocal. We understand he can switch well. He understands he understands defensive, you know, how to how to anticipate defensively. He, he gets defensive coverages. Like, he's an incredibly smart player. Him playing at the five might be a real like something impressive to tap into. It hurts because you see all the talent that Alpi has flashed, right? You see just how good Alper and Shingun can be, and it very much feels like this Rockets organization is going to be the organization that passes on him because they don't believe in his long-term future success as a core component of a contending team, and they're not willing to bend over or you know kind of revamp themselves the way that the Nuggets have the way that the Kings have around Jokic and Sabonis and kind of creating a system for that one player to flourish. I don't think that they believe currently in like the upside of doing that. And to them having an option of like Jabari at the five, right? A a more simplistic defensive scheme, like all this is probably a little bit more of a realistic outcome and probably a bit more exciting for the people in house to look at as an opportunity and so I do worry, like, it, it, theoretically, Alpi and Jabari should be able to thrive and coexist side by side. But the more that the more that Jabari has success at the five spot without Alper and Shingun out there, the more I think it's going to be used as a data point moving forward to say, we don't need Shingun, or Jabari is the future of our five spot, right? Maybe the Rockets draft a Brandon Miller type, and that's like the, the front court of the future, right? It's Brandon Miller, Tari Eason, and Jabari Smith Jr., some like real three really switchy, versatile wings, pseudo bigs who can all guard positions, you know, one through five, one through four, two through five. And maybe that's just the future. And that is more of the future of the NBA. But at the same time, you've got a couple teams who have shown a lot of promise this year by kind of stepping outside of the cookie cutter box and doing things differently by playing through Jokic and playing through Sabonis. And I would really like to see what that would look like for the Rockets with Al P before moving on from him because we really only got like a about a 10 game sample size of them doing it. It wasn't, it, it was not even really a good faith sample size. It was just more touches for Alpi. So from the defensive side of things, things do look better defensively when the Rockets can switch and they look better as a team defending when thing, when they can switch things. But the numbers suggest again, that Alpi is not the one defensive problem with this Rockets team. Kevin is a problem defensively. Jalen is a problem defensively. The entire team has problems defensively, right? Because they're a young, bad team. So uh, you can cherry pick and make these arguments for almost any player on the roster. And that was the thing that I wanted to push back on was this idea that, oh, Al P is the problem defensively. No, they're they're all kind of the problem. As, as evidenced by in this game against the Celtics, Jalen Brown had his way with, uh, you know, Kevin multiple times this game. He had his way with Jalen multiple times. Like, there are a lot of issues defensively on this Rockets team. It, it is not all Alper and Shingun's fault. So with that, that's going to be it for today's episode. 
As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. I do appreciate you guys checking out the show every single day, whether it's, you know, we're available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. Also on YouTube, go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Give me your thoughts on Jabari Smith Jr.'s play as of late. Give me your thoughts on the Rockets' defense, their team-building identity, how you feel about Jabari at the five versus Shingun at the five, all that good stuff. Let me know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.